So from 1,200 pounds to six to seven million. Hello Dragons, my name's Ben and our company is Lux Collective. Like we are not here thinking because we've turned over seven million pounds that we know it all. Like we need someone to help lead us. And what better way to do it than an inspiration of yours? Like Stephen Bartlett, 32 years of age. He's grew a business at one point which worth 500 million pounds. Do you know what? I'm going to make you an offer. You accepted the deal. We did. On TV. We got a deal? Yeah. 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 The ego aside, when I do that deal with them, I would. It's only a matter of time before Gucci or LV says to you, you know what? How's 100 million sound? Cut goosebumps then, because that's the goal. Quick one, off camera. Yeah. How much can we actually talk about this? Yeah, thing? absolutely everything. And after studying these people, their habits and their traits, what have you found? Oh, this is amazing. So. Guys, welcome back to the CEO cast, the number one podcast for showcasing business and entrepreneurship. Now, before we go anywhere and get into this episode, I need to ask you all to please press subscribe. If you've watched this podcast in the past or you're watching this episode now and you've enjoyed it at any point, please press subscribe as it helps more than you can imagine. And what I can say is that the more subscribers that we get, the bigger and better guests that we can get along the way. A small action on your behalf that can have such a huge impact. So join the fellow CEO community and I want to thank you all for subscribing and all for showing your love and support. Ben, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. No, I um, I appreciate you asking me. This is a long time coming. I know. Unbelievably long time. But look, so Lux Collective... Everyone knows that it's a big baller brand, <laughs> reached over a million, multi-million dollars. But I'm here to find out more personal things about you. So Ben, the way we're going to start this off mm. is tell me some interesting facts about yourself that no one online knows. Interesting facts about myself that no one online knows. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so when I was younger, as I explained to you before, cricket and tennis were sports that I, like I wanted to be a professional sportsman, like who doesn't as mm -hmm. a kid? I think... Um, Football, after a, after a few games, I knew I wasn't going to make it in that. Mm -hmm. So I looked at more conventional ones that suited me. Um, so tennis and cricket, absolutely loved. But then I kind of like, as you go through school, kind of like just don't really care about them anymore when you start hanging around with your mates and trying to fit in and trying to be cool. You don't really want to be the odd one out of like focusing on a sport while everyone else is going out. And that was definitely a, a kind of, limitation when I was younger mm -hmm. um but yeah mad obsessed about sports another fact that people don't know about me I'm constantly trying to do ice baths this year really yeah every Wednesday so um, how's that been going then so we've had three Wednesdays of this year and I've done two of them yeah so it's I'm on a 66 well, the last one you just gave up you <laughs> no like, nah, so nah, I'm the, not doing it too in, cold <laughs> in the middle one I was in London so I didn't have my ice bath with me so uh at home I'm 100% record um, but I think just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is so important. And like, if you do an ice bath, if you jump in it straight away, I was explaining it to people yesterday. I was like, it's like, why the hell have I done this? Like yeah. instantly. But then 90 seconds in, it is like the best feeling ever. And I definitely recommend a lot of people to do that. Um, to be honest, I'm very obsessed with the business that I run mm -hmm. and that I've created. So personal wise, I don't really often go out my line of like focus and line of vision of what I want for the business. So like not too many interesting things because everything I do is just to do with the business. But I suppose, and we're going to get into this, dive into this later on properly, but I suppose that's got to, that's that's why you are where you are right now. Yeah, I think it's definitely an obsession, but like obsessions, there's like negative connotations around it. And like, there's definitely healthy obsessions. There's unhealthy obsessions like mm -hmm. eating, drugs, mm -hmm. alcohol. Yeah. But then healthy obsessions, if it brings out the best of you, which I think this journey of my entrepreneurship has done, mm -hmm. then it's definitely a healthy obsession. Don't get me wrong. There are some times where you sometimes can feel a little bit burnt out or possibly you are 
you react to a certain way just because it's so emotional and you're so attached to it. But like the overarching theory of you growing a business and becoming a better person, that is that is the main thing. And that is what I've what I've done for sure. I'd agree with you because I was going to say being obsessed with entrepreneurship and business or just trying to challenge yourself, it brings out so many different characteristics within mm. you, right? Yeah. So you could be obsessed with your business, mm. but at the same time, it's going to bring out the hunger within you, mm-hmm. the drive, the motivation. It's going to test your limits, mm-hmm. challenge you in so many ways mentally mm-hmm. that you thought that would never be capable before. And especially, and it's something I lacked definitely early on and still, cha- still get challenged with today, is that when you're growing your team, your communication, your leadership, your management has to be so good. And in life, no matter what way of walk of life you 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 commence in, those skills are across the board so important to have. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was saying before about the books, like reading and listening and and like indulging in all this information to become better at that is so so important. Because one day I might not run the business, but I might need to use those skills in a different aspect. Mm-hmm. And it's so like those skills, I'm still working on them now. They live with you though. Oh, but like they make you become a better person as well in your business, but then also in like family, in relationships, in every walk of life. They're so important. 100%. This podcast is going to be so, so interesting because (laughs) not only are we going to unpack everything you said there, because that was meant to be interesting facts, but that was like so deep at the same time as all, right? (laughs) I like going deep. (laughs) No, but it's... it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like saying a joke there, but I'm not going to say that anymore. Never mind. Like Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but look, it's so interesting because not only do I rate massively what you've built, your business, your brand, everything around it, but also rate the way you've done it and your age as well, okay. which is incredible. So there's so many things. And I think there's going to be so much that people learn from this as well. Mm-hmm. People who are young who look up to you, people who may be older than you, but look up to you in terms of what you've done. You've just come off the back of a Dragon's Den episode, got mm-hmm. investment with Stephen Bartlett, which is mm-hmm. huge. So it's so incredible what you've built, man. And I want to take it all the way back from the start and find out exactly who Ben was before the business even started. Yeah, I love talking about this because I'm pretty harsh on myself from back then. Mm-hmm. But I think in school, so we grew up in a very rich area, I say this story all the time on, on my socials. I just love saying it because I'm very, I'm like just being totally honest, I'm very proud of, of what I've overcome, like personally. Because I grew up in a very rich area. Which, um, what's the area called? So it's called Formby, just outside of Liverpool. Okay, yep. So, but we, so like, we weren't a very wealthy family. And when I say that, I don't mean we were poor, like by all means. But we were surrounded by kids with swimming pools. Like I think like three or four people in like my friendship group had swimming pools. Mm-hmm. So when you're exposed to that, it's like, it's like, oh my God, it's like, why aren't I like that? Like, why isn't my family like that? So as a kid, when your perspective's like so narrow, you, you're very selfish and you're very like, like immature in your views. And um, growing up, I think I was desperate to fit in hundred percent. So like that meant fitting in in my circumstances meant money. So we were very entrepreneurial. My brother, who I co-founded Lutz Collective with, uh, before we founded the business, he was like always selling stuff online, making lots of money on eBay. And when I say lots of money, it was just lots of money at the time for being a kid, like just to spend on the weekends. How old your brother? He's 28, so five years older okay, than me. Yeah. Um, but I always saw him like, like I would walk into the front room and he would be packaging like boxes up, like underwear up. Yeah. Like selling them on eBay. And there was like hundreds and hundreds of packages. And I was like, what the hell? This is wild. What's I want to do on? this. Yeah. yeah. So like very inspirational. But like me and Joe, we really never got on too well in terms of like as close as we are now. But we shared a bedroom for like 15 years until he moved to uni. That's interesting. Why do you think you weren't that close then? Or? I don't know. 
really, really don't know. I was closer to my oldest brother, Sam, mm-hmm. who's yeah. 32. So he's a, so he's like 10 years older than me. Is is your city brother's name Joel, right? Yeah. Is he the middle child? Um, so there's four of us, but he's one of the middles, yeah. Makes sense. Middle child's always the one left out. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Of> me. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. first-hand experience. I think that's another thing of being the youngest kid. I feel like that's why I've excelled on social media because like as the youngest kid, you are a professional attention seeker. <laughs> and I think that's what's needed in, in social media. I yeah. think that's um, at the beginning why it felt so easy and comfortable for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so gr- grew up in that area and then was in... Uh, school in sixth form I knew I didn't want to go to uni and I felt like my sixth form years were like the worst of my life in terms of like I just felt so lost all my friends knew they wanted to go to uni and when you're that age like you don't look in years ahead you look at what you're doing next month and if what you're doing next month isn't planned out you start to panic and that's what I well that's why I certainly what I did so I was like I don't want to go to uni I don't want to work for anyone because I've already been let go from a job for being too disruptive in the workplace I was like, the only logical explanation now for me to become a success in life or for me to enjoy my life is just to create my own thing. And like, I did it basically off the back of, it was like, what what's the phrase called where it's, um, where like, it, pro, it was process of elimination. So like, I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm going to have to start my own thing. So I got the idea of selling pre-loved luxury goods just because it was very, very early on in the boom of it like it hadn't even boomed yet my sister got a pair of trainers for christmas and i was like what are they they're like really expensive i went to my mom i was like how's my sister getting a really expensive pair of trainers for christmas and she was like they're from a secondhand website and i was like secondhand why the hell is she getting a pair of secondhand trainers so like i became obsessed with the website but initially i was like "Ooh, that's disgusting but then it clicked in my brain i was like oh this is how i can fit in with my friends so I became obsessed with it. This was when I was about 16. And then as I got older, I was like, okay, still obsessed with this website. I was like, I'm going to create a version of this because if I'm obsessed with this website and it's how I can fit in, there's going to be a million and one kids out there exactly like me who also want to fit in. Mm-hmm. So I thought there's definitely a target market for it. So we started it in Liverpool and now we're probably, I would say the UK's leading brand of a pre-loved luxury goods for sure yeah i just want to interject there and, and throw it back to one point right as you said there you're in college and you know people are planning the lifestyle and where you said you've come from pretty much wealthy area mm-hmm. your friends coming from houses with swimming pools and stuff mm-hmm. and you not what was what was in their characteristics that made you not fit in for so for example you were saying they're trying to fit in right yeah but naturally being your friends was there anything that made you think i don't fit in here This episode is sponsored by Fireway Pizza, the fastest growing pizza company in the UK. With over 100 locations, you definitely have a store near you. The founder of Fireway was on the show not too long ago, and you can get a slice of the action by using the discount code CEOCAST at fireway.co.uk. Once again, use the discount code CEOCAST at fireway.co.uk. Yeah, just like clothes I was wearing. So I was all, I would always wear hand-me-downs for my older brother. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but back then there was a stigma around it. So I would never admit that... I, I was wearing secondhand clothing from my brother, like hand-me-downs. Um, pocket money. I would always have the least pocket money. Bikes, riding to school. I had to beg and beg and beg and beg my parents. And like, my parents are amazing. Like, they did everything they could to give me everything they could. But like, my kids were getting like the top of the range bikes to school because we used to cycle to school every day. Mm-hmm. And I would come with like 
a budget version of a good brand bike. Okay, yeah. So I tried to fit in with the brand, yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. always like the lowest spec just because I wanted the brand name to yeah, fit yeah, in. Yeah, makes sense. Whereas when I was looking for the bikes from my dad, my dad was like, oh, you want to be getting this bike because it's got this spec? But I was like, no, because it's that brand. Mm-hmm. So because I wanted a brand to fit in with my friends, like those little things like that, like they compound. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I constantly thought like, I need to be doing these things to fit in. And then when I reached, when I started creating my business, business, like creating a business is the best form of self-development. I always say that. And then I started to look back at myself when I was like that young, I was like, I was so stupid. But then I thought as well, I want to grow my personal brand and talk about these situations and stories because there's so many kids who were like me now Mm -hmm. in school who like don't need to bother about what brand of bike they have, don't need to bother about how much pocket money they have, don't need to impress their friends. Like If they feel like they need to impress their friends to fit in, then that's not the friendship group they should be in. Of course. So like that's what I want to do with, with, with these types of conversations. Are you still friends with these same guys? Absolutely. But like, and I say it openly to them. And like, like I wouldn't have ever said it openly to them back then because mm-hmm. I wasn't confident in myself. Yeah. But I'm so confident in myself now that what I believe, what I say, I truly believe. And and I think that's the the art of confidence. Like all you have to do is believe in what you say. For sure. And like it's changing their perspectives on things now. Like one of my mates the other day asked me, what are the best three self-development books to read? I really want to work on myself. If he was to ask me that like th- two years ago when I started my self-development journey, I would have like laughed and been like, what the hell? Mm. But now we can go on a journey together, you know? It's amazing because you literally started your business off the, you know when people say, start your business by fixing on a problem in your life. Yeah. And not so much of a problem, but it was something that you needed to find. I needed to find so a you solution. Could fit in. Literally, yeah, you needed yeah. to find a solution for, for what was going on at yeah. the time. And that's exactly what Lux Collective is right now. 100%. Which yeah. is amazing. But where did you actually get the idea from then? So my sister um, got a pair of shoes for Christmas. Yeah, you meant, yeah. They were Isabel Moran Beckett's. Mm-hmm. They were booming in the t- at the time. By the way, I just want to say this as well. I just want to clarify, I'm not a fashionista, right? So I don't know... <laughs> Everything and obviously I know your bait brands, LVs, Gucci's, Prada's, yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah. But when you say that, I'm okay. Like, Isabel right. Morant was like, um, they really boomed around 2008, 2012, but they boomed with a shoe in about 2013 to 15, maybe 16, 17, mm-hmm. because Beyonce wore this shoe okay. in her Love on Top video. So mm-hmm. her, her music video she did for her song Love on Top. But in Liverpool, every girl had them. But what I associated with is like, oh, every rich girl has them. Mm-hmm. So when my sister got them for Christmas, I was like, how the hell is she getting those? Yeah, yeah. Our budget's normally £100 for Christmas. Like my mum says to me, right, you've got £100, go and send me the link to what you want. Mm-hmm. So then when she got them, I was like, what the hell? I went to my mum, I was like, how the hell has she got these? And my mum told me they were from a website, a marketplace that sells secondhand luxury goods. So like, like, like I said before, I became obsessed with it because I was like, oh, this is how I can fit in. I can afford luxury goods now. Yeah, for sure. And then the idea came from, if I, like, I wanted to start my own business. It was just what was on my mind at the time. It was just pure coincidence. But it's like that thing where it's like, you have to be looking for opportunities to to get to get them. And people call it luck. But if I said to you, how many red cars have you seen today, Raheem? None. Or I don't know, none that I know of. But then if I said to you, I'll give you £100 for every red car that you've seen, yeah. you would have told me by the end yeah, of the I'll day. Yeah, I'll tell you, I found 30 straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Transfer free ground right now. <laughs> so, so, the, so the moral of the story is opportunities are everywhere. You just need to be looking for them. Yeah. And that's what we were doing when, well, that's what I was doing when I first started the business. 
But I was 17 and I had no money. I had 200 pounds in savings or like 210, 220 pounds. So the logical thing to do is look at my older brother. So I knocked on his door and I was like, Joe, do you want to start the business? And he was like, yeah, I've just taken out 10,000 pounds for a loan for a car. And I was like, oh yes, 10,000 pounds. So Joe would have been 22 at the time? 23, yeah. 23, okay, yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, oh my God, 10,000 pounds. He's like, no, no, no. He was like, I've spent 9,000 pounds of it on a car. I've got 1,000 remaining. I was like, still a thousand pounds. That's yeah, yeah, so much go, money. Yeah. yeah. Was this your first business then? Because obviously, like you said, Joe had been buying and selling things at eBay, wherever yeah, it was. Yeah, they were just side hustles though. Like no real business, like yeah, yeah, no yeah. signing up corporations yeah. or, or like or like anything like that. It was just a side hustle. Yeah, just a side hustle to make some extra cash. Um, so yeah, it was our first business. I think th two or three months in, we registered and it felt like the biggest thing in the world that we've ever done. Mm -hmm. And then I went full-time after I finished school because I was still doing it in school. I went full-time and then Joe joins me full-time six months after. And then we flipped 1,200 pounds from selling one shoe, buying one shoe, selling one shoe, buying one shoe, selling one shoe. And we flipped that to where we are today. So we've taken no investment um, in cash. Um, it's all been it's all been through just flipping. So literally from that £1,200, you've acquired it to over how much? What's the business worth right now? Um, revenue last year was around in between six and seven million. So from £1,200 to six to seven million yeah. in a space of six years, roughly. Uh, I would say five, five years. In a space yeah. of five years. That's incredible. Yeah. Hats off to you, bro, because that is a mad one. But how did you even know what you were doing in the first place? You don't. That's the thing. And that is how you grow any business. And that is the that is the answer that everyone wants to hear. Because uh, like you think all these people have it figured out and they don't. The only way you're going to figure it out is if you try doing stuff mm -hmm. and you will fail so much. But that is so liberating. Like that feeling of no one knows the right answer is so liberating because the answer to that is that you just need to try. And if it works, then you know, now know the answer. If it doesn't, mm -hmm. you now know the wrong answer. So yeah. you've got another chance to try the right answer. So give me an example, because like I said in the beginning, I can imagine yeah. a whole lot of people watching this, trying to extract as much value as possible, yeah. so thinking, how can we kind of replicate this formula? Okay. So what were some of the things you had to figure out in the beginning? And what were some of the things in the beginning which you mastered okay. that worked really well? Uh, negotiation. Yep. So like we would message people on Depop and eBay. Mm -hmm. We would get the price down as much as we could and we would get it in and sell it for as high as we could at the market value. Mm -hmm. But then in, before we sold it, we had to add value. Like why would people shop with us instead of someone else? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's clean the item. So we added the value in cleaning the item and we became amazing cleaners. So now we, like we always say like we're better at cleaning, even though we don't offer it as a service, we're better at cleaning than most of the cleaning brands out mm -hmm. there because like it's our value that we add authentication like we were selling luxury stuff or we sell luxury stuff our authentication had to be spot on otherwise it destroys the trust of the business so we had to watch endless and endless youtube videos we had to go to physical stores when we got an item in to compare we had to go to um, people that we knew knew a lot about luxury goods mm -hmm. and get their advice and you just you have to like we were saying before become a sponge and like get as much information as you, as you can and learn from it. And don't get me wrong, we bought fakes and got scammed in the past. I was just going to ask you this, yeah. Yeah, but like we like we, when we got them in, we like, it's fake. But but like you've got that fake there so you can compare every item that you get in future to that fake that's similar to that. Mm -hmm. So you build up your knowledge over the years. And authentication is just an opinion. 
Like, there's no course for it, obviously, because the brands don't want, like, certified authenticators out yeah, there. Yeah, of course, yeah. The only way to do it is, the only way to become skillful at it is just to do it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And I say this all the time, to become skillful at anything, it's reps and mileage. You have to do it for a lot of time. Like, a lo- like you have to do it over and over again, so they're all the reps. And then you have to do it for a long period of time. So reps times mileage equals skill. And that, that is that is all. If you want to be successful at anything, that's all it is. That's your formula for success. 100%. You're, you're a smart man on TikTok. I'm sure that's a TikTok <laughs> clip right now. <laughs> but look, where was you actually selling these items? Did you build your own website or were you selling it back on Depop? No, so our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. So it was when Instagram was like, um, it was when Instagram was the app. Like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, we only grew it to about 10,000 followers before TikTok came in. Mm-hmm. But it was where you could communicate everything via Instagram. So we'd get them in off eBay and Depop, we'd clean them up and then we'd picture them and then just put them on Instagram and we'd sell them through Instagram. And then about nine months later, we finally built the first website. Nine months into the business or nine months after that point? No, nine months into the business, yeah. Nine months. Of, why did you wait so long? Um, because we didn't know. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. thought Instagram was sufficient enough. Yeah. And then we built a website and we thought, oh, this is good. And then after that, you build it, we built a better website. And then now we're looking to build an even better website. It's just evolution of e-commerce. So literally, when you started the business, you had been doing one by one products. Because obviously, £1,200, let's just say, it would have yeah, bought yeah. you £800 bag. Yeah. Sell it for 1500 one by one by one. Well, this is what we did really clever to get into the industry. Go on. So a, it's a very competitive industry because the barrier to entry is so low. All you need to do is buy something off eBay and Depop and sell it on your website. Mm-hmm. But we knew we weren't going to compete straight away with the bigger brands at the time. So we thought we had to do two things. We had to start with cheaper products. Mm-hmm. So to be disruptive, you have to be cheaper, better, or quicker. Yeah. And we were all three. So we were cheaper in the fact that um, we sold footwear. We just focused on footwear for the first two years maybe 18 months, just focused on footwear. Partly because we were scared about bags. Like mm-hmm. they were expensive. They were high risk. Mm-hmm. So and if we, they're fake, then you don't want to get, you know, pay a thousand pounds. And then that's our invent. That's our whole capital yeah, gone. Yeah, whole business gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was very risky. So we started with a hundred pound trainers, Isabel Morantz. We started buying and selling and we started flipping loads and then we mm-hmm. sold so many of them. But we were only making like 20, 30, 40 pounds on them because we had no overheads. That was a lot of money to flip in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, like on one pair of products. And we were better because we added a lot of value. We cleaned them up. No one in our industry was cleaning them up at the time. I don't think like a lot of people are doing now. We spoke to our competitors. Not many of them are cleaning product and definitely not to the standards that we expect. Uh, And then we were quicker because we paid people on the day. So were you physically going to see them in person? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we were outside of the app. We were messaging them saying, we'll give you cash. You don't have to pay fees mm-hmm. we got banned so many times off <laughs> eBay imagine, and Depop. Yeah. Yep. but that, that's how we were disruptive we were all those three things we were better cheaper and faster and um, but now because we were able to grow so quickly because we were disruptive we've now been able to offer even more services so instead of buying it outright off you to get you more money you'll just list it with us and we'll do all the hard work okay, for like you. SOR. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So we'll clean it up for you still. We're still adding value even if it doesn't sell. We'll authenticate it. We'll we'll take pictures. We'll send it out. 
Like we do all that, but we wouldn't have been able to start our business at that because there's 101 people trying to do that. Yeah. So we had to come at it in a different angle. So we come at it with our service and then our social media strategy was just completely different to everyone else's as well. So when you're selling these products, how did you build the brand off the back of it? Just social media, 100% yeah. social media, So like, organic. So what I'm trying to say is like, for example, I've bought a bag off you now. Yeah. Does it, does it not come in like a Lux Collective bag or yeah. business card? Yeah, site? yeah, absolutely. So just starting off, it was your, what everyone does with their first businesses um, when they're first growing it is like flyers. Let's get the flyer. You put your or business cards, just throw it in. Mm -hmm. It was, a, it was, we, we actually made, when we were dropping off the houses, we made Vistaprint like craft paper bags, the worst bags in history. I, I'll get a picture and send you it. It's like unbelievably bad, but it showed that we were thinking about branding and it showed that we were thinking about marketing. And then we eventually went to boxes and then we eventually went to branded boxes. And it's something I'm obsessed with at the moment, like 1% marginal gains. We were doing that without realizing it was a thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. were just trying to improve all the time. For like, people who don't know, mm -hmm. what is 1% marginal gains? Yeah, so um, if you read the book, Atomic Habits, there's a thing, um, there's like a little diagram that you can look at. And it's basically saying about, if you do one thing worse every day for a year, by the end of the year, you are gonna be worse as a person. And like in what you're trying to succeed at. But if you go into every day trying to improve your day by 1%, your process by 1%, it could be anything. It could be, okay, to feel good today, I want a glass of water. So I'm going to start my day off with the glass of water. That's a 1% gain. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing could be within your work. Okay, in this video I'm editing, I'm going to add music. It's not good. The last video hasn't got music. I'm going to add music. There's another 1% gain. If you keep on topping up your 1% gains over the year, you have gotten better by 100% by the end of the year. It is unbelievable by just doing how little small things, how much you can improve over a 365 day period. Literally 365% increase from mm -hmm. January to December, mm -hmm. which is crazy. And people, you'll be a whole different level. Mm -hmm. Ben, what was the point where you realized that this business is actually becoming something now? Because it's one thing starting a business and you know making money here and there, 20, 30 quid on products, but then realizing, hold on, this is dangerous now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I actually make some good money. So what was the point where your tax bracket went up? <laughs> <laughs> so there was so there was two points and they were very pivotal in our focus on the business. So there was a point where I was like to Joe, oh, like we're, we're like we've got we're not making any money at all. Like we need to do something different. And like he and then he went to me and he was like, No, like look at all this, look at all our stockholdings, look at all this. And I was like, Okay, like we'll carry it on. And then that same day we went home. And my dad has sent me an article from either Business or Fashion or Forbes. This was in 2018, so a year in. Mm -hmm. Although not, not, not even that, like nine months in. And it was just our parents trying to show, show support. My dad sent me an article and it was like, the pre-loved luxury industry is going to be worth X in five years time. And me and Joe were like, oh my God, we need to focus on this. We need to make this our life for the next five years. And obviously when you say that, it's very like, you don't mean it. You know what I mean? It's just like, you see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. means you need to really, really focus on it. So so that's when we stopped doing all bad habits. So we stopped partying loads. We did we did used to go out a lot. We stopped, like we started exercise and we started implementing these positive things in our life because we really needed to focus on the business. And then the next part was after lockdown. So we went through lockdown. We grew a massive social media following and we had the shop. 
And it was still me and Joe after lockdown. Just, shop. just us two. It was like an office space just oh, like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would have we would have um products like on the on the walls where yeah, people yeah. could come in. Yeah. And it was just getting so busy. We couldn't focus on creating content, packing orders, cleaning products. It was just getting so busy. So we had to close the shop, mm-hmm. the office space. We had to hire someone. And like those things in like the space of like a month of coming off back of lockdown, we were like, okay, this is this is gonna be something. And it was like all we did was hire one person, yeah. but we thought, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. So we moved offices. We got, we probably quadrupled our size. We were in a room like this. So it's about 300 square foot. And then we went to 1200 square foot. So still not big. And then we went to 3000 square foot and then four and a half thousand square foot. And then we've just moved into an office of 12,000 square foot. So like, oh, like what I'm trying to say is what I said before. Like it's just compounding. It's just the evolution of continuously doing good things and positive things. And off the back of that, it they can be bad things as well, but it means like trying. So like if you do something and it doesn't work, that is brilliant because then you can try something that you know not to try that again in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've moved forward. It's all a learning curve. It's like failing forward. Yeah. And it does add to the evolution of the business and it does add to closer to where you want to be. So like failing for fast and failing forwards and trying new things, even if like you don't know whether it's going to work, it will push you so far forwards. I'm interested to know, right? You said there a year in, you hadn't been making much money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it ever on your mind to quit? Yeah. And what I want to ask is, if your parents hadn't shown you that article, Mm -hmm. what do you think the outcome would have been? I think um, there was no option to quit because I feel like Alex Hormozzi shared a thing the other day and it's like, it, you get to, a lot of people in business get to a point in a business where they want to quit and 99% of the, of the people quit and start a new thing mm-hmm. and then quit and then start a new thing and yep. then quit. Whereas those that stick with it are the ones that reap the rewards later on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some delusional people out there who don't know when to quit when something's not going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like the signs were like so bad. It was I was impatient. And I wanted to be making, it was only a year in. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be making the money. I was still in that mindset of impressing other people, of of trying to fit in with my group. That's why I wanted to quit. It wasn't because it wasn't working. It was because it wasn't working as fast as I wanted it to work. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to listen to podcasts, audio books, reading books about patience, it just, it just was like liberating. It was like, uh, okay, this feeling right now of wanting to quit is normal. But if I stick at it, it will be so much more beneficial in the future than if I quit now and start something else. Mm-hmm. So over the years, you had developed this. We left at the point now where you mentioned lockdown. You had grown through that, built the brand, expanded the office many times. So right now, you've got a 12,000 square foot office. Mm-hmm. What do you do with a 12,000 square foot office? Well, and just to put this in context, this office is 400 square foot. <laughs> so that is 3,000 times of this. <laughs> For what? <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a team of 35 people now. Yep. 33, 35 by the end of next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need a big office space for them. But what my brother has done so, so well in creating this space. So we created it from the ground up. It was a piece of grass two years ago. Yep. Joe's been working on this project for 18 months, building it. So it's custom built to our spec. Which part of the UK is this, by the way? Uh, in Liverpool. Okay, so you're still in Liverpool then? Yes. Okay. We are opening an office this year up in London, Yeah. but our operations are up in Liverpool. Yep. Out the way, can focus so much better than when you're down in London, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And growing up there, it feels like home. It's a lot more comfortable. I can get a routine in really, really well, so I can 
I can get up at the time that I usually get up. I can do my exercise. I can go to the gym. I can stay in the office all day. I can get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Just the, my routine is a lot better up up north. So I really love having the unit there. But Joe wanted to build the hub of pre-loved luxury goods. And we have, we have smashed that out of the park. There's no one in the UK, I would say even in the world, with an office as good as this, what we've created. Mm-hmm. The details are unbelievable like the like the 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 abs, like absurd like uselessness like we got amazing sinks and that sounds like so like low level like why the hell did you do that but it's the details we got um this is going to sound so silly to people listening but you know that the boil, boiler taps yeah we got them because we didn't want people spending so much time boiling the kettle at, like like being being in the kitchen, yeah, yeah, yeah. we wanted the speed work on demand. A hundred percent. Like those things sound so trivial to people, and probably sound like oh, he's stupid for even saying. But it's those one percent marginal gains. We got a lighting system where you don't have to press the press the um the switches. You walk into the room and it lights light up. up. Yeah. But after a certain amount of time, it goes down. These are all one percent marginal gains that we've added to our company that that improve efficiency and effectiveness so much better. We're actually not fully moved in yet. The creative team, which is my team, we're over there in the new unit, so we get all the nice yeah. the nice stuff and those 1% marginal gains make our life a little bit easier when we're in work. But the operations are still in another part of Liverpool, but we are shifting that over because we're getting more stuff built in the actual unit. So it's split half a third and two thirds into a unit and office space. Mm-hmm. And unit being like stock. Yeah, yeah. and their operations, so authentication, mm-hmm. um, uh, photography, Cleaning the actual process side of the business, yeah, the whole operation yeah, of the company, and all the yeah. behind the scenes on the other side, the headquarters essentially. That's it, yeah. Okay, it makes but sense. we're waiting for a mezzanine to be built, yeah. So we're splitting it into two floors, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much like a production line when you think about it. If something comes in, clean it up, or oh, sorry, no, something comes in, correct me if where I go wrong, yeah. Let's here, yeah? go, something comes in, yeah, authentication, yeah, clean it, yeah, picture it, yeah, advertise it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. <laughs> you, on should come, you should yeah, come join us. Well, do I get sharing that now? <laughs> but 12,000 square foot is a lot, right? Yeah. And at the point where you are now, would you say that's needed or did you get 12,000 square foot off the basis of the fact that where you're going to go in the future? Um, second one, second <laughs> yeah. point, off the basis of we're going to go in the future. Yep. However, that future's come around very, very quickly. Yeah. So we've been signing some amazing deals off the back of Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it looks like we're going to be need to move out of that unit a lot quicker than we first thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, like things are moving so fast. It's just incredible, but so exciting at the same time. I'm going to come to your Dragon's Den episode shortly, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to ask this for people who understand this. Obviously, as we mentioned in the beginning, you were going on Depop buying and selling products. You'd go there physically and, you know, you'd, you'd clean up and, and sell it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. How's the actual structure of the business? How does it work today? Okay, so structure of the business. We have three people leading it at the moment. Yep. Um, we're increasing that this year, but we've got three people leading it. We've got me, who's effectively brand. Mm-hmm. So then there's all marketing and socials underneath that. Mm-hmm. We've got operations that Ollie sorts after. Um, we give him 5% of the company because he's just done phenomenal work in the past two and a half years for us. Yep. He, uh, he's our COO. Um, so he's all operations sides, operations and tech that kind of comes into one. Uh, he's a wizard, really, really good. Um, and then Joe, who looks after product effectively. Mm-hmm. So how we source the product, how the product gets, gets dealt with, how we price it up, 
like merchandising basically. Um, and like the buying team and everything like that. So there are three departments at the moment. Obviously we're increasing that and we've got lots of avenues to go down, but we're still learning every day. We still don't know what those avenues are. We're just testing and trialing over yeah, this for year. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what was the question again? So how it actually works in terms of, obviously you're not going physically yeah. out yourself buying oh, okay, the same yeah. products. Yeah, yeah. How's it working now? Yeah, so we have a team that uh, look after all the inbounds, inquiries about selling items yep. so if you want to sell an item you go onto our website you fill out a form that goes to our buying team they sort out all the prices with that mm -hmm. based off joe's algorithm that he's built yeah we um so that's how the product comes so in automated prices um we're working on automating automated prices yeah it is kind of automated but it's still like it's still manual it's, it's still, still got a manual aspect to it's it it's still overseen by a human yeah it's okay. gonna be automatic very yeah. very soon um we we're gonna have a good conversation about ai i suppose then a hundred percent yeah <laughs> um, my brother and uh ollie have just gone down to meet someone to improve all that mm -hmm. um yeah yeah absolute wizard who's going to improve that that whole side of the business mm -hmm. massively um and then authentication it comes in to get authenticated like once it comes in they like so they they post it to us with a free shipping label that they that we provide them it comes in we unpackage it it's already in our system from when they submitted the item. So, so, so quick. The operation is amazing. Um, and then it gets authenticated. We have a team of authenticators. It then goes through to cleaning. We have a team of cleaners. It then goes to photography, team of photographers. Mm -hmm. And then um, it goes on the website, team of uploaders, and then in the warehouse. And then when it sells, the warehouse team dispatch it. But what people don't realize is that me and Joe did all of this. So I was the creative side. I was photography. I was often setting the prices at the beginning. Um, I was doing social media, which I still am now, but I was like so much more involved back then. And then Joe was doing all the cleaning. He was doing the dispatching. He was doing all the finance operations as well. Mm -hmm. Before Ollie came in, he was doing all of that logistics, all of that. And like, I always say this, the quickest way to your goal is slowly. And we've built our company so slowly and sustainably. Like it might look like to the average person, it's overnight success. It's not like we've been working on this for five years. Like we've gone from a team of just me taking photos to now not me. And we've got four photographers now. And that's taken five, six years. So like, if you think about that, that's just one photographer per nine months. And that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a long time. That's yeah, so slowly. Yeah, yeah. But in but in doing that, it's mean that we've been able to keep up with demand and we've been able to grow really sustainable. Whereas our competitors, they've had to take investment. It's allowed us to mm. grow it freely with full control. And at this point, like you said, you still haven't got investment in it's terms of uh, financially. Correct. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But hear, hear me with this, right? And I'll ask you a question. Whether a customer buys a product from you, whether the customer sells a product to you, yeah. you're collecting the emails and the data, right? Of course. See, bro, this is where things get interesting because <laughs> from the forefront, people who are watching this right now might not understand it, yeah? But I'm sitting here excited and buzzed off my head because all I'm hearing is data, 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 data. And that is probably the thing that is going to make you stupid amounts of money in the future mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because the way... <laughs> it's just crazy to think about because it's, it's mad because you're making money as the business grows day by day right mm -hmm. now right making money printing 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 as literally steven said this on the on dragon's end you're printing money right mm -hmm. 
But it comes to a point where you've collected so much data, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time before Gucci or LV says to you, you know what, Lux Collective? How about, how's 100 million sound mm-hmm. for your company data? I just got goosebumps then because that's the goal. Literally, uh, you, you just, you've just explained it. And for people who don't understand the data of that, it's just crazy, man. Because eventually these brands, whether it be those brands or whether it be the department stores like Selfish's, Harrods, Harrods, Harvey Nichols, yeah. Flannels, effectively, that's the goal. Because they're going to have to do pre-loved eventually. Yeah. But the only way to be successful in pre-loved, not the only way, but a really clever way to be successful in pre-loved, mm-hmm. so you have to build it from the ground up. You, ha- I was the consumer of pre-loved stuff before I created a pre-loved company. Yeah. These companies, Selfridges, Flannels, Harvey Nicks, Harrods, who are trying pre-loved, do not get it. They don't get what the consumer wants. They're used to making 700% on a product. So when when they're trying to price up a product and they're only making 30, 40% gross on the product, mm-hmm. it's not worth it to them. Yeah. But in the future, it's they're going to have to do it. So that, that's, that's the goal for us, to build up that data, which is so controllable to us. There's not a chance these big companies can stop that. Because all we're doing is creating content and they're using our site. Yeah, it's yeah, not literally. like they can put a blocker in, in the way of, yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, they can't do anything about to stop that growth. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's not like that they it's not like we're in their shops and they 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 cut our contracts or they cut our stock supply. Mm-hmm. Our stock supply is the public, but that's why we have to do it slowly. Because if we do it too quickly, it will just become overwhelmed with everything. Mm-hmm. And we, and we need to grow that sustainably. Because I said this the other day on a webinar that I host. Um, I try and do it every two weeks with just my community I've created on LinkedIn who just love talking about social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say, they're like, oh, when are you going to sell the business? Why don't you want to sell the business? I was like, maybe in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. But I love what I do so much. Why would I want to sell something in a month, two months, a year, two years time? Why would I want to sell something that I enjoy doing so much? I wake up buzzing to get into the office i'm in the office seven between seven and a half seven i stay to like it's between six and eight depending on what work i have to do i'm in the office constantly because i love it why would i want to give that up why wouldn't why why wouldn't i want to create this business with my brother my friend and the people that i'm building the company with who become friends mm-hmm. why would i give that up for some money because at the moment I, it's the yes Stephen was like oh you're printing cash printing cash yeah we're making money off the products, gross, but we're putting it all back into the business. Every single yeah, penny course, we yeah. make is putting back into Going the back business, in and that's what everyone has to do when they're starting yeah. or when they want to reach a goal. Don't take money out of the business and 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 spend it to impress other people. Build build on what you want to create and spend it on what will add to that mission. You said right now the company is worth how much? Like valuation? I don't know. So valuations are very skewed. But we went on to Dragon's Den and we we proposed a valuation of 5 million and they didn't question it. Okay, so let's just say 5 million. And that was back in May. Back in May. Yeah. Oh, that was back in May? Yeah, we filmed it back so in May. What, 2020? That's ages ago. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you only aired, what, last week, two weeks ago? Yeah, roughly? yeah. Okay, so let's just say 7 million now. Okay. Now, let's just imagine I'm a multi-millionaire, mm-hmm. yeah, and you're having this conversation with me, I'm worth 100 M's. Okay. If I said to you right now, Ben, I'm interested in your business, I want to buy it off you right now for 10 million. Yeah. Here's 10 million in yeah. cash. What's your response? No. Not at all? 100% no. Okay, and now up it to 20 mil. No. Oh, you, you were thinking, <laughs> though. You were thinking. <laughs> no, I think, I think 
my mission is to is to build this to 100 mil. Yeah. I think that scenario, obviously there's some thinking behind it. It's life-changing. 20 million is life-saving money. Yeah. But I think this is why it's so important to have like goals, ambitions, and what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have non-negotiables because if someone comes at you like that, it's an easy, it's an easy answer. It's a quick answer. Yeah. But my goal is to build Lux Collective to 100 million. That is, that is the aim. And it would be fantastic if we do it. But having that big, hairy, audacious goal up there, it will mean that even if you don't hit 100 million, you're going to hit a high number. Mm. You can't not. If you're aiming that high, you're going to hit something high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is a, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, look, we've spoken about Dragon's Den here and there, but let's get into the nitty gritty of it. Like yeah, you man. said, it was filmed back in May yeah. and it only come out recently. So my first question off the back of it, for people who haven't watched that episode, I recommend go on iPlayer, watch that episode, or if it's even on your TikTok and stuff as well, right? So we're going to get to the deal in a second, mm-hmm. but there was a deal. There was. You accepted the deal. We did. On TV. How, so okay, wait, just quick one off camera. Yeah, how much can we actually talk about this? Yeah, thing? absolutely everything. Yeah. So we we ex- we 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 never took the so with Dragon's Den. Yeah, you can keep this in. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. So with Dragon's Den, eighty percent of the deals that are agreed, they're not the deals that go through. Obviously, the dragons themselves have to do due diligence. Yeah, of they course. found out they find out a lot more about the company that they couldn't get in the two hours that you were there pitching yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah. So sometimes it is a bit skewed. And sometimes what they think in that moment isn't it. Like, it's not binding. Just because you say it, it's not binding. Everyone yeah, knows yeah, that. Yeah. But we wanted Stephen on board in, in, in any capacity just because he's such an inspiration and we he, we know he, he can add value. So the deal we agreed is probably a deal better for both of us in the long term. And it's also a deal we're both happy with. And it's also like we didn't need the money. We went on Dragon's Den for the marketing and I can tell you all about the results that we got from the marketing. We will. But just in a second, so what I'm gathering from that, correct me if I'm wrong, Yeah. the deal that you went on Dragon's Den isn't the deal that you've agreed with. Agreed. Oh. Agreed. Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've done a deal now. Obviously, it's been, what's that, eight months yes. to when the episode's aired. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you probably wasn't allowed to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. So how was that actually firstly holding in that whole excitement of thinking we've got to deal with Stephen Bartley right yeah. now but we can't tell you yeah so what was that like we're allowed to tell we were allowed to tell friends and family yep and then obviously there are some friends who can't keep their mouths shut okay yeah so so the local area kind of knew yeah 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 um but it, it was hush hush like it wasn't like a, an amazing massive thing it was just like oh like if they if people two mutuals bumped into each other and we came up in conversation for whatever reason mm-hmm. that would come up mm-hmm. so um, but telling people that like in business, say like potential deals that we were going to be getting done, like we could hint at it. We couldn't say exactly what it was. We could hint at it. And we used it as a little bit of leverage, obviously, as you would. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, telling like I love social media and I like exposing things about my life on social media because my life is my business. So like keeping it in for social media, I had that Stephen post drafted for eight months. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the post of us together with Stephen, it yeah, was yeah. Or drafted for three months because we met him six months after. Um, like I had it drafted for so long. It was on my phone. I couldn't, I couldn't tell anyone or show anyone. I was just, oh yeah. So when I finally was able to release it to um, mute, like everyone who followed me on socials, it was just amazing. So let's dissect this deal. Mm-hmm. You went in asking for a hundred thousand pounds. Yes. 
For 3% of the business? Two, we asked for 2%. So you asked for 2%? Yeah. Okay, so you asked for 2% for £100,000. Firstly, that's a that's a crazy deal because <laughs> hundred grand for 2% is crazy because because I watch Dragon's Den a lot. A lot of the dragons say we don't get out of bed for less than 10%. That's, yeah. So, yeah. so for you to come with 2% or 100 grand, crazy. <laughs> but also the second thing you said on there, and this is kind of one of your main selling points, which kind of got disembarked straight away, I, I want to say is, yeah. you mentioned that you want to go straight into Selfridges. Yeah. Right? And, and open up a store there. Mm-hmm. And then one of the dragons, I can't remember which one it was. Peter. Peter, yeah, basically said they do that anyway. So mm-hmm. why would they need you there or want you there? Mm-hmm. Um, which I found very interesting because I was like, hmm, is this going to throw them off? Or, yeah. So you tell me. So it was really funny because that wasn't the reason we went on to Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. So we came up with that story or that pitch about three weeks before, mm-hmm. two weeks before. Yeah, we're just we, thinking, what are we going to say to them? Yeah, because you can't go on to Jagan's Den and, and say, because you say you need the money. You need to say something is why you need it. And yeah. don't get me wrong, that strategy is a proven strategy to have worked, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily a strategy that we were so tied to and so like strict, strict by. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, like if someone was to debunk it, we would be get, get defensive mm-hmm. because like we weren't, we weren't bothered about it anyway. We, it was just our story. Like, like that we made up to, not made up, like it's a, it's a it's a good strategy, but it's not our strategy. So when they debunked it, we just turned around and before we went on the show, we were like, if they pick up, pick us up on anything, just be accountable, come across as really nice lads and just say, you know what, you're right. And that's all we did. Yeah. We were like, yeah, you're right. However, I, so he said that two big brands wouldn't work with us. And then a month later, two big brands that he mentioned reached out to us to work with us. Which brands are we talking about? I can't say the brands. I can say it off camera, but I can say the brands after. Just, just I'll cut it out. Yeah, so, just... Okay. So those two brands wanted to work with us yeah. in some capacity, but he said that they could, you will never, ever, ever get these brands to work with you because they're so focused on their primary market. Mm-hmm. And I wish we would have filmed it or they, those brands would have got in contact beforehand. Mm-hmm. So you could have that. Because I would, have, I would have had that as like yeah, receipts yeah, yeah. Yeah. or like as, as a proven, proven like, like evidence to yeah, be yeah, like, yeah, well, sure. yeah. Yeah. Cause um, dragons ask for that. When you watch dragons then and they, and people go in there and say, you know, we've got this door lined up. Okay. Well, where's the evidence? Where's the proof? And then mm-hmm. they don't show it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes they do show it. Exactly. Yeah. Which would have been mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but you yeah, know, continuing with how it Yeah. Went. So, so like when he said it, we were just like, yeah, you know what? You're right. A hundred percent. But they were all honestly so lovely. And because we were all, all, all already semi-established, we, we backed ourselves. Mm-hmm. And like we knew that we we knew that they were going to be impressed by us because you can't not be like no matter what you do in business if you're turning over millions of pounds it's impressive mm-hmm. like no matter what it is it is impressive whether you're profitable or not it's still impressive um so we knew that we weren't going to be ridiculed on there if that makes sense yeah like you said you went in there purely for investment purposes right um, not for the money but for a dragon why um because I'd ask and I'd, I'd say. At this point in your business, yeah. you're doing really, really well. Yeah. You're still on good high trajectory. Yeah. So why do you need a dragon to change it or add to it? So as three individuals, me, Joe and Ollie, who lead the business at the moment, we basically came, except from odd jobs here and there, we basically came from supermarkets. Mm-hmm. So I was pushing trolleys in Tesco. Joe was stacking shelves in Tesco. And Ollie was on a management course in um, Aldi. So we were all we, we have no corporate experience. We have no career experience. We are so aware that we have so much to learn. Like we are not here thinking because we've turned over seven million pounds that we know it all. 
that would be the most stupid strategy to have as a leader, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. Like, like we were saying before, you need to be a sponge and you need to be open to learning everything mm-hmm. and anything. Even if you agree with it or not, it's really good to get other people's perspectives because it gets you, it gives you a more rounded perspective from other people. Yeah, you can be sure. a lot more empathetic. You can be a lot more curious. You can understand other people's way of thinking, thinking a lot more. Mm-hmm. So we're aware that we've got still so much left to learn. Like we're all under 30 years old as leaders of a, of a, of a multi-million pound company. Like we need someone to help lead us. We need the guidance. A hundred percent. And what better way to do it than an inspiration of yours? Like Stephen Bartlett, 32 years of age. He's grew a business that at one point was worth 500 million pounds or $500 million. Like he, like he helped me out a lot when I was going through a tough phase of my life. Like the strength of his personal brand sways me to pick him, sways me to want to work with him. Like he's a cool entrepreneur. He's at the very start of his journey in mainstream TV and mainstream media. He's only on an upward trajectory. Did you go in there knowing that you wanted to go straight for him? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and how is it now then? Oh, now like, that you've actually met him, yeah. and I suppose you know, you've know you agreed on a deal that you're both happy with, yeah. what's the working relationship like and what's he going to add to it? So we agreed the deal on the day that Dragon's Den aired. Mm-hmm. So we got it all signed. So he's only, like, he's only been, quote unquote, involved in the business for less than a month. Mm-hmm. So we work with his team very closely. He gets back to his messages very quickly whenever we've got an inquiry. Uh, Ollie has actually got a talk tonight in front of loads of people. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, in uh, up in Bolton, of all places. Um, but off the back of Dragon's Den, he's been approached to do loads of talks about mm-hmm. the journey of his life and Lux Collective because he actually tried a few businesses before he joined us, yeah. which were unsuccessful, but carried so much wisdom into Lux Collective and grew us from 2.5 million when he joined to 7 million now. Mm-hmm. So lots of people want to hear his story. So Ollie texted him and was like, look, I've got to talk. Can you give me some advice? And he sent back like 20 voice notes on how, Is it? how he's so like, he, he runs all these businesses and got investments in all these businesses, but gets back to you so quickly mm-hmm. and like comes up with like the, one of the best things Stephen said to me, like one of the best advice, Steve, one of the, ah, one of the best bits of advice Stephen Bartlett's ever given to me wasn't meant to be advice. I walked into the room and I said, Stephen, I've got this idea. Amazing marketing idea. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to be, it's going to be loads of attention around it. Press are going to pick it up. People in social media, meme pages will pick it up. Explain the idea to him. What do you think, Stephen? Tell me. You're a god. You know everything. I obviously never said this, but I was like, Stephen Bartlett, he knows everything about marketing. He's a marketing genius. What do you think of my idea? He looked at it, turned his head back and was like, I don't know, try it. And I de- like after the meeting, I couldn't stop thinking about his advice. I was like, why has he said that? Blah, blah, blah. And then I came to the conclusion. I was like, even Stephen Bartlett doesn't know if something's going to work or not. At the end of the day, no one knows whether it's going to work or not. The only way you're going to know whether it's going to work or not is if you try it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's it's such a simple form of advice, but so liberating, because you like if so if he was to say, oh yeah, that that is gonna work, like like that like even just thinking about that now, that's like that's not possible for someone to say that yeah. because no one ever knows, and the only way to know to it's, figure it out is just by doing it, just by doing it, and him saying that and just like like it sounds again so surface and so silly and so trivial of me to say him just saying that shifted my perspective on ideas and action so much. I want to ask you something off the back of Stephen, right? You 
Oh, from speaking to you off camera on this podcast, you're a very intriguing guy in a sense <laughs> that you, you, I can see you study success and you study people around success, whether it be Stephen, Alex Ormosi, books that you've read, you're always seeking knowledge and looking for knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think studying these people and studying the subject of success has done for you and your mindset? Um, I'm talking about since before business, yeah. during business, your whole time. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, again, the only way you're gonna gonna be successful is to learn yeah if you have one way of thinking then forget about it do you know what i mean like that is the end of you in in terms of your journey of becoming successful i lived with a friend who's also got a business up in liverpool called bennett's it's like um, an affiliate platform to um buy like nike on running uh new balance stuff like that and i lived with him for a year and he was obsessed with reading and listening to podcasts and studying people. And he changed my perspective on learning so much. He would get up every morning and read The Daily Law by Robert Greene and explain to me about what The Daily Law means and what he thinks it means. Mm -hmm. We also had a period of time where we read a chapter each across the table of uh, 48 Laws of Power. And then at, at, like whilst we were eating our, our tea and we would discuss that chapter of 48 Laws of Power, like reminiscing about this thing now, like I've, I've hardly spoken about it to anyone. But it got me, I don't do that now, like, like I'm not trying to act like I do that now, but in that period of life, that set me up to constantly wanting to learn because of the back of those conversations with him and exactly how I do now with podcast hosts like yourself and other people I meet in business, Alex Hormozy, Gary Vaynerchuk, Stephen Bartlett, like uh, understanding and um, consuming their content. It just gets me so curious and so intrigued. And he taught me, the fellow I lived with for a year, be a student of life. And I say that to everyone now, because what is the point in living your life and not wanting to understand and learn as much as you possibly can if you are trying to reach a certain goal? Because mm -hmm. if you're trying, because knowledge is power, right? If you're trying to reach a certain goal, a great strategy to get there is to know the most about that goal. So why not take everyone's different perspectives? Because if, if you take just one person's perspective, you're going to get there fast. Yeah, for sure. But if you take so many different people's perspectives, you're going to get there even faster. And it's even as situations as trivial and as small as someone arrived late in the office today. How how do you re resolve that conflict issue? Like even as even as small as that, even as um, you've got a meeting where you need to let someone go. I've listened to all these people. So it's helped. It's, hel it's helped me in that situation. I need to have a conversation about where I need to praise someone because they've done such, such good work. These different people have taught me all of that and how to do it. It's so important to get different people's perspectives because it gives you such a well-rounded view of life. And my girlfriend, she grew up in uh, Europe, Germany, and then went to Brunei and lived there for a couple of years. And then she moved to the hometown of Formby. And her perspective on life is completely different to mine who grew up in Formby. So like just on that level of relationships and people in your life, your world around you and your environment that you create and that you grow with, that shapes who you are and who you're going to be in the future. Mm. So it's so important to get as many people and as many perspectives as you possibly can. And that's why your network is so important. 100%. And after studying these people, obviously mm -hmm. you would have studied their habits and their traits yeah. that make them successful. Yeah. What have you found? Oh, this is amazing. So I never valued any of these traits when I first started business. 
and Gary Vee shifted my perspective massively on it. Happiness, empathy, um, co- uh, communication, kindness, all these like positive traits. Because he's like, you don't need to be a nasty, strict CEO to get the best out of your of your workforce. Mm-hmm. You need to be loving. You need to um, understand them on a on a surface level, on a deep level. You need to get the best out of them, and and loads of different people react differently. So you need to really understand your people, and then obviously, so apart from like emotional intelligence, it was like you need to be healthy, you need to exercise, you need to work on yourself, you need to learn, you need to read, you need to read, you need to indulge audio books, you need to consume as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. So like all these different aspects of health and fitness, minds and body, those are the main four aspects I would say that I've learned from all those people that I look up to. It's crazy because there's so many habits that we could learn from so many, so many entrepreneurs on the mm-hmm. on the podcast, not just on the podcast, sorry, but in real life and different walks of life. Journaling. Journaling, literally journaling. And one of the main things which you mentioned in the beginning as well, which I'm going to come into now, is routine. Mm-hmm. Now having a routine. Yeah. Me speaking from experience, I didn't really deep how important a routine was until I had a routine yeah. in a sense of my routine now yeah. is I wake up at six every single day. Nice. I bang out, uh, don't get me wrong, first thing first, have a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> Standard, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll start work at like half six. Mm-hmm. Don't I don't touch my phone until about seven, no, I'm sorry, not seven, eight, nine p.m. Right? That's good discipline. And I bang out the work throughout the whole day. I probably don't start working realistically until about nine p.m. And it's only been recent where I've started that routine, right? Yeah. And even, I'm talking about even during the podcast days and everything. Mm-hmm. My routine was, wake, I'm, a, I'm a YouTuber. I can wake up when I want, do work when I want, all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And I didn't really notice much success, but I didn't deep it at the time. So only when now that I've got a routine, I realise how important it actually is because you elevate so much on another level. Also, one thing I'll mention as well, before I go sleep or after I finish work, the last thing I do is write down a task list of what needs to be done the next day. The next day the week ahead come in so you're always on track and you always have something to do something to aim for something to aim for as well and writing goals writing exactly what you want like, all of that is so so important I didn't realise that but yeah. I want to ask you in your experience how routine has been for you yeah so I was exactly like you I was uh, 18, 19 had my own business I was get up whenever I want get up at 10 I was a night owl staying up to 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning editing pictures like still working hard mm-hmm. but it was an unhealthy routine Yeah, it was like it was so unhealthy, like not structured at all. Just do what I want when I want. Mm-hmm. And although I do what I want when I want now, it's a completely different mindset of of that phrase. So I was going to bed really late. I was a night owl. I was looking at my brother who would always get up super early, five, six o'clock. And I was looking at him thinking, he's getting, he's getting so much more done with his day, but we've got the same hours in the day. How is that? How is that possible? I was like, it must be... Th- to do with the time he wakes up. So I started doing it. Started waking up at five, training first thing, uh, going straight into the office, working, and then going home. By eight o'clock, you're done. You want to go to bed, you'll be asleep, you'll be asleep by yeah. nine. Yeah. Then you wake, you do that again. And that has been so good for me in routine. Like, it's some, it's like you need something for your brain. So you need to read or just just something that will make you a bit smarter, a bit cleverer. That indulge something in your brain. So that's you. And then you need some for your mind. So like meditation could be just doing some breath work, anything like that. And then something for your body. 
So exercising, it could just be as simple as a walk. So I'm doing a 75 hard challenge at the moment. So doing lots of exercise, mm -hmm. lots of walking as well, because it's a, it's a good exercise to do if your second exercise for the day. And then the phrase of what I was saying before of like, whatever I want, when I want. The reason why I wanted to become an entrepreneur or the reason why I wanted to start my own business was because I wanted to do what I want, when I want. And when I first said that phrase, I thought of like, I'll be, I'll be working in Thailand on my laptop doing like what we see traders doing stuff like that. And then I quickly realized that that's not the, what you want, when you want mindset to have the, what you want, when you want mindset to have is I get up at five o'clock and I'm in the office for seven and that is what I want to do. And I can, and because I, I get to choose those times, I have the freedom of choosing that time to get in. Like, it's not that I don't want to do, I, I don't want to, I don't want to work hard. I don't want to work late. I don't want to do all this extra work. It's that I just want to do it on my terms. I don't want to do a nine to five because even though that's less work, it's probably not as hard work. It is just not suited to what I want to achieve. Mm -hmm. So like the theory of what you want, when you want is so liberating because you can, but when you start your business, you have the freedom to be able to do that. And that means you can do it at any time of the day you want. And that might not be for everyone in terms of waking up at five. You might be a night owl like I used to be, and that's completely fine. But as long as you're, it's it's not about, it's not about the way. It's not about the timings. It's not about the timings that you work. It's about how hard you work or how clever you work, or what you do with the time that you're awake. Yeah, literally, literally. What you do with the time that you have mm -hmm. to progress further in life. That's it. If you're using your time efficiently to write down and reach your goals, essentially. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you something. Because, sorry, before you say that question, Go on. people could get that done in six hours in a day. Yeah. But I just, I like different people do it in 10 hours, 12 hours. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's not about, it's not about the hours you're awake. It's what you do in the hours in that you're awake. awake yeah, 100%. It's evident to me to see that your hunger when you were growing up has built you to what you are now. Mm -hmm. You haven't got kids at the moment, no? <laughs> no. Okay, no, so no, no. when you do have kids, let's just say you have a son or a daughter. Yeah. How do you want their upbringing to be? Do you want it to be like yours in a sense where it installs that hunger with them? Mm -hmm. Or do you want them their upbringing to be similar to your friends where they're brought up around the wealth? Um, I... I speak about this a lot. I just like to my circle and like um, family and girlfriends and obviously like it's a conversation you have a lot with someone it could possibly happen with in the future with. Um, you just wanted them to be happy. Like like I will not push them to do anything as long as, if they're unhappy and visibly unhappy, I will obviously try and give them a nudge in the right direction. But if they want to go off and be an artist in the woods of Austria or something and that makes them happy, then go and do that, mm. you know? I don't want to push my kids to be business owners or like, I feel like, because Liverpool is a very like football city. There's a lot of parents who are like very pushy with kids to become footballers. And I don't think that's the right way to be. I think like you got to let your kids just do what makes them happy. And if that is like ballet for the lads, which is not like um, a, 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 a traditional thing for uh, boys to do, if like he wants to go off and do ballet, by all means, if that makes you happy, I'll be supportive in that. And then if a girl wants to, I don't know, do another traditional male thing, like become a rugby player, amazing. Do that. If that makes you happy, that is unbelievable. It's not about the it's not about making money or or like or like striving for success because success is like so subjective. 
Like if like success is just being content, I would say. So if they're content, then that is happy days, you know? Yeah. I used to ask a question on the podcast all the time, what success means to someone, right? And then as time went on, I started like deeping it that success comes in different levels and its success is measured differently to everyone else. So mm-hmm. your level of success could be way up here mm-hmm. and that could be your ultimate success, but mine could be down here. Mm-hmm. But then also same goes for being at rock bottom, which I didn't think about too, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your version of rock bottom is way different to someone who's homeless right now and their version of rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's just different perspective. Like perspective is everything is what I'm trying to get at basically. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you as well, off the back of that perspective, what has been your toughest challenge or struggle you've had to face throughout your whole journey? I think what we've done really well is that we've grown slowly. So we haven't taken on more than we can. We haven't bit off more than we can chew. Mm-hmm. We haven't taken on too much more than we can handle. So there hasn't been any drastic kind of challenges. I would say personally, when creating the business, was when I started creating videos for social media, the the level of judgment that I thought I was getting in my mind from from outsiders and people in my circle group and like people in my environment, it made me not want to do it. But it was so important to me to get past that. And it took so long to get pa- to get past that barrier. And loads of people out there right now are going through that exact same thing. I just managed to pass that barrier five years ago. Mm-hmm. So what you've got, how you've got to break it down is you've got two paths in life. You can either live the life that others expect you to live, or you can either live the life that is destined for you and you want you want to live deep down. The obvious answer is this is this one that you want to do, but the fear of judgment makes everyone live a life that they that they, they just live to fit in. And the only way you're going to get over that is if you step back and be like, I, I, like, I, I, that's not fair. Like you have to be selfish. That's not fair on myself to do, to live a life that is controlled by others. And it's not controlled by others. It's controlled in your head by the perspective of others. But the the only way to do it is by breaking away from that environment. You have to, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people that push you to be a better version of yourself. And if that's no one to start off with, that's amazing because you go off on your own, but there's this thing called YouTube that you can type in whatever you want and you can surround yourselves with these people. And guess what? Because you start, like attracts like, because you start acting like this person that you want to be, the people that come into your life are exactly like you. Mm-hmm. And then your network grows, your ambition grows, and you'll, you're, you, you, like, you, look, you take a step back and now you're living the life that you want to live. Yeah, at least you're manifesting it. Yeah, you're and you're, you're not living the life controlled or dictated by others because you've 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 removed yourself from that situation mm. and you've thought you know what fuck it I don't want I'm not I'm not living my life based on other people's opinions I'm gonna live my life whether they like it or not who cares and the liberating feeling is that no one cares about you at the end of the day when you die when you've got your tombstone no one is gonna remember in 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 a, in a, in a hundred years time no one's gonna remember you so what's what's the point in living a life because. Sally told you to do something or Sally said it would be embarrassing if you created a video on TikTok. Like, just do it. Like, who cares about what other people think? This was my biggest problem. You know, when I started the podcast, I forgot to mention this before we started as well, right? My biggest fear was people finding out 
that I'm now on social media. Hmm. So when I started the podcast, I didn't tell no one. <laughs> no one knew, none of my friends, not family, nothing like that, right? Um, and I had a fear of that, exactly. And I thought, why am I, why am I fearing it for? And then one of my friends found it. And then I was just like, it gets to a point where you just accept it. And then yeah. once you do, your life just, you know, tenfold. Well, because much. your friends probably saw it when it was in a position f- with you for them, for you to be okay for them to see it. It, w- it wasn't amazing, but it was, you'd had maybe over a thousand followers. It no, was, no, 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 really? No, 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 no. Early, no. early on. Yeah, they found it early oh, on. That, early how on did you feel when they found it out? I was like, shit. Really? Because I, I, I remember the moment vaguely. We were all going out for a restaurant, uh, two restaurants, sorry. Um, I can't remember whose car it was or what car it was. I was driving. It was a four by four, mm-hmm. a seven seater though. And I remember one of my boys wanted to play music from my phone. My phone's connected to the car. And so I've given him the phone now, but he's right in the back. So I can't see anything. Right. And then he's like, yo, Raheem, what's this? I go, what? And then he just, he showed me the thumbnail in the mirror. I was like, oh, f-. Uh, <laughs> and then literally, uh, yeah, it was a question from it. At that how point. did you then, feel? I was like, shit, they know. Yeah. Like this, this ain't good. I'm going to stop now because it's embarrassing. Yeah. The reason why I didn't tell him is because I thought it's embarrassing. Yeah. No one from my area has been on social media before. It's embarrassing. It's, I know what you think. Like the, the feeling is it's embarrassing because when you first start off with something, you're a fool at doing it. Mm-hmm. So to become a master of podcasts, which you're on your way to becoming, to become a master at something, you have to be prepared to be a fool, mm-hmm. but being prepared to be a fool takes so much ego drop mm-hmm. that you can't have an ego. So when someone does come find it and, and like, it's not at the level that you are prepared for people to see it at, then you have to be, then you, you, you get your back up and get defensive and be like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed because I, I'm a fool. Yeah. Like they might, they might think I'm not doing this right, not doing that right. But like, you have to be prepared to be a fool, to be a master at something. Literally, literally. Ben, I want to ask you about your personal brand. Yeah. Because you've been growing this massively. And I, I was literally, as I said to you before this morning, I was just binge watching your TikToks. <laughs> I thought that yeah. actually quite sick, to be fair. So your personal brand, yeah. is it so it helps the business or is it just something you like doing on the side sort of thing? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a strategy to grow the business. Yeah. It's, um, I've grown Lux Collective through my face for the past five years. Mm-hmm. So when people see my face who already know Lux Collective, it's another way of a touch point of marketing to get them to to get them to potentially make a purchase in the future or potentially sell something to us in the future or potentially tell someone about us. Um, I also love talking, as you can probably tell, but I, I also want to inspire other people to go on the entrepreneurial journey or go on a self-development journey because that's what I did. So I built a business. I built a successful business by building my myself my personal journey of self-development now i'm trying really really hard not to be like a preacher not to like not to like stand from like the heavens and like shout this is what you need to do to in order to become a better person i'm trying to just give my experiences and document what i've done and document what i'm doing in terms of personal self-development because i'm still developing myself but also alex hormozy is is building his personal brand off the back of building a $1 billion business. Now, that is unattainable and unrealistic for so many entrepreneurs out there. And not everyone wants to grow a billion dollar business. So although he's doing an amazing job at it and he's getting a lot of followers, I believe that 
there's so there's there's a lot of people out there who will there's a lot of entrepreneurs who will never build a billion dollar business myself probably included but there's a lot of people out there who can build in a million pound business or a five million pound business or a 10 million pound business so if i document my journey of building the 10 million pound business the 20 million pound business people are gonna think becoming an entrepreneur is so feasible and so realistic for them to undertake the journey on because a billion pounds is such a big mountain to try and get to. But a million pounds, that is a lot more realistic, especially in the day and age of social media mm-hmm. and creating a business off your interests. That is a lot more realistic target. So I'll hopefully inspire people to become entrepreneurs and grow million pound businesses, but also become better people in the process as well. You mentioned something there, which I caught onto, right? You said, there may not be a lot of people who can create a billion pound business, including myself. Mm-hmm. Is that, what I'm trying to understand is why? Is it to do with self, self-belief self stretching that far or what is it exactly? Um, probably um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. for sure. I was saying to Tiff on the way down here, I'm so nervous for this podcast. Really, why? Because I just get, I, so like when I used to go out partying, I used to have, uh, we used to call it, pre-rave nerves or something rave nerves Mm -hmm. pre-rave nerves something like that um and it was just you you got dead like like your stomach was in butterflies okay yeah and like you're just anxious yeah yeah. and i was like that when you're going on a date for the first time exactly exactly the same feeling i had that feeling when i was coming down there i had it on my last podcast the podcast before that and we were like i was explaining to him i was like why am i feeling like this even though i love the conversations that i have with the people and he was like we need to change the perspective on what this feeling means. This feeling doesn't mean that you're scared. It doesn't mean that you don't want to do it. It doesn't mean that you're going to not have a good experience here. Let's shift it and be like, it's just a new feeling. It's the feeling I get when I'm about to have an amazing conversation with someone. And that's all that feeling is in future. So now I need to change the mindset and be like, this feeling it's not nerves it's not anxiety it's i'm getting ready to have an amazing conversation so like again you could argue that is imposter syndrome because i felt that Mm -hmm. but i think so to get to a billion dollar business firstly you need to grow a hundred million dollar business and i don't have that evidence yet i haven't built up that evidence that i've built that yet so i don't think it's feasible but when i have that evidence then it will become more realistic to me. It's exactly how people think a million pound businesses aren't realistic. They've not even turned over 10,000 pounds in a month. Mm. How am I meant to build a million pound business? Well, when you reach that 10,000 pounds a month, you've built up evidence that you can do 100 grand a year. Well, if you can do 100 grand a year, then you can do 5 million a year and then you can get up to that. And then once you've got the evidence, then you can get more confidence in, in that next goal. I, okay, I agree with you, but not not. this isn't even a disagreement. This is a point of... I get that, but I'm also a believer that you have to believe something to achieve it. Mm-hmm. As you said earlier on in this podcast, you'd love to see Lux Collective get to a hundred million valuation, right? Yeah, yeah. You saying that, you already believe it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's believing it before you've even achieving it. So it's, in my case of what you just said there, it's like sometimes you don't need the evidence, yeah. but you need that self-belief within you to make sure that it can happen. I agree. I think the reason why I said it is because I think people coming onto podcasts and saying, I'm going to grow in a billion dollar pound business. I think I think it's so important to do the action rather than just say it because when when I when I listen to people say that I think I think yeah really cool really ambitious but 
I want to see the evidence that you are going to do it. So I don't want to be on here and say, I'm going to do it. What I want to do is build first and then say, look, I've done it. And I know I said about that $100 million goal, $100 million goal of, of uh, turning over for Lutz Collective. And that's because we're on the right track for that. And we've got evidence that if we put these things in place, it's going to happen. But I haven't got evidence for the billion dollar thing yet, mm. you know? So that's why, that's why personally, I, in, in self-belief modes right now of my focus, what I'm, what my goal is with, with Lutz Collective, I don't think, I don't think that I've got evidence, I've got enough evidence for me to believe it in myself. But this is good to discuss about the billion dollar thing because it's all about self-belief. Yeah. So like eventually if I do do that, then you look back to this podcast like in 40, 50 years time and, and you can use that as evidence to show younger people to be like, look, people go through periods of believing and not believing and it's absolutely fine. So just because you have a ba- like a, a, a phase of not believing, it doesn't mean that that's your ingrained belief. It's just that that's what you think in that moment. This is why I love doing part two is because like you're sat here right now with a business that should say worth five, uh, sorry, seven million quid. Mm-hmm. But then even in two years time and it's worth, let's just say it's doubled 15 million, mm-hmm. right? It's so much you would have learned and so much you would have discovered about yourself mm-hmm. and your business in that two years that having a part two only makes sense because it's just <laughs> a complete change. And then you look at this podcast in 10 years time thinking, man, times like that were easy, man. I'm running a 15 million pound business right now. It's crazy out here. I wish I could have Ben's life from back then. It's just, it's just they, what they are. They're good, good reflection points to always have as, as memories and to show the future generation one day. Do you know when we have this conversation again in two years time, mm. you will not be the same Raheem and mm-hmm. I will not be the same Ben. No, of course not. No, 100% not. So, so like looking back at our, our old interview, which is this interview, it will be amazing and like to look back and be like, why did I say that? Why did I believe that? I do, I don't, I do, I do not believe that now because of this evidence that I built up over the past two years. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it like, I cannot wait for that, for, the, for that to happen. And like, <clears throat> I have taken the strategy in p- personal branding of, I'm just going to say exactly what I'm feeling and documenting exactly what I'm doing right now, like every day. Because if I try and create content, then it's a bit fake. Like if I'm creating content for me, like I set up a camera and I'm going to talk about the three best books to read as an entrepreneur. Like you need to read these to be successful. Like that's creating content and it's so hard to be sustainable with that. But if I'm just real and if I'm just saying exactly what I think in that moment to a camera, whether I believe it or not, two weeks later, people are going to come on that journey with me. And that's the best way to build a personal brand. It's just by being so authentic, so real, that people can relate to you so well. Mm. And that's the strategy I've taken. If you look at my LinkedIn, if you look at my TikTok, it's all just stuff that's happening on the daily. Because I want people to come on the journey with me, whether I'm right or wrong, whether they believe what I say or not. I, I, like, I, want, I, want, them to, I want them to comment. I want them to, to say their opinions. And then like, they might change my opinions by saying their opinions, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Crazy. So for anyone having a personal brand, that is definitely the strategy I suggest you go down. And a really important part is when times get tough, document that stuff as well. Because people want to come on the journey and people want to come on the... As much as you want to show off the highs and, and people want to consume the highs, people also want to consume the lows as well mm. because it ma- makes you so much more relatable. Yeah, everyone's journey is a roller coaster. No one can ever say that the journey is just straight up no, like that. It's not, never like that. Not. There's always going to be a point where it comes down again. 100%. And you have to document that. 100%. So I'm going to ask you this, Ben. 
off the back of you know me and you having a conversation in two years time mm. let's just say five years time yeah. what's the message you want to leave yourself for future ben that's really future good ben watching this right now yeah what would you want to say to him that's a really good question i think um i hope you've inspired don't look at me look at the camera <laughs> <laughs> uh wow this is this is deep in it yeah um i hope you've inspired a lot more people than you currently have I think that's a good message. I think that is. I think that is. Ben, I want to appreciate you and thank you very oh, much for coming on the podcast, man. It's been a pleasure and I'm pretty sure everyone everyone watching this right now, there's been a ton of value <laughs> in this podcast, man. And honestly, a ton of value. People who want to start e-commerce businesses or any business and the fact that you're only 23 years old and absolutely crushing the scene right now hmm. is immense. It's immense, man. So no, I'll give I, you... Um... I've wanted to come on this podcast, like I said before. I wanted to come on this podcast since I've seen you make it. Yeah. And uh, I feel very humbled that you've asked me to come on. So thank you very much. No, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's, it's only right that you come on, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, do you know what it is? You know, when anyone asks me to come on the podcast, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I always ask myself, no, sorry. I always ask them. Yeah. Deep down in your heart and in your journey. Yeah. Are you ready to come on the podcast? Mm. Do you feel like you've done enough in a sense are you happy with what you've done to come on a podcast and talk about your journey and success? Mm -hmm. If not, I just want you to be honest with yourselves. Mm -hmm. If not, don't worry, we can do podcasts in the future. Mm. But are you in the position right now where you feel very happy within yourself of what you've done yeah. and what you've achieved to be coming on a podcast? And I, and I think it's a, it's a good message as well as like to the people about our interactions. Like I popped up to your story loads before you messaged me to be like, right, come on. Mm. So like, it's a message to be like, to other people out there to be like keep working because although they're not people aren't answering i get it all the time loads of people message me i still read the read the messages but i don't reply just because i, I don't know what to reply yeah, or, yeah. or or i just get busy doing other stuff mm -hmm. but we we see it all so that the opportunity will come but the opportunity is not going to come if you send that message and then stop if you send that message and be like i'm ready now let's go mm. and you don't get that response that you want and then you just stop but so the best way because i did it with steven I sent him a message three years ago and now he's a business partner. And I use that as evidence to be like, look, keep fighting for what you want because you'll eventually get it. This is on a smaller, smaller basis. Like I messaged you about seven, eight, nine, ten months ago being like, oh, bro, I'd love to come on the podcast. And it was only three, four weeks ago that I, like, I, like we finally sorted it out and mm -hmm. I got a reply from you. And I knew you'd seen it because like every, like I look through all my requests as well. But like sometimes the time- It might, not be, it might have been social media manager. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on him. <laughs> but sometimes the time is not right. And and like that's, that's it's not it's not okay. It's more than okay. It's the right thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a big believer on timing and everything like that, man. I think timing goes so far. Yeah. So Ben, if people want to find you on socials, where can they do so? Yeah, so uh, my company, Lux Collective, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. If you type in the company name, it, it will come up straight away. Link, yeah. LinkedIn as well. And then same with uh, me, Ben Gallagher, Ben Gallagher09 on the same platforms. And if you want a discount code on Lux Collective, if you type in CEO Cast 30 into checkout, you'll get 30 pounds off your first order. Look at that, plugging you guys already. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Ben. I'm pretty sure the audience are going to be happy with that one. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many shop. I'm uh, excited for it. Yeah, man. <laughs> ben, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, bro. No worries. Thank you. Wicked. Sweet oh. as, man. How was that? That was class. That was yeah. good. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to watch another one that you may like, make sure you click up here. Or if you want to check out the playlist for the other podcasts, make sure you click here. And click up here to subscribe to CEO Cast.